Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You're listening to Queers, a podcast about politics and culture with Simon Copland and Benjamin Riley. No, hang on. Let me start that again. Sorry. This is, this is what happens when I try to record too early in the morning. I can't, right. I can't form my thoughts very well. Um, oh, God. I've just completely lost it. What was I going to say? It's the 22nd of February, 2017. I'm Benjamin Riley. And I'm Simon Copland. Welcome to Queers. Each episode we talk our way through questions on a theme, and this week we're talking about the politics of the gay gene. Before we get started on the main discussion, I wanted to talk briefly about an email that we received, because we now have our fancy new email address, which to remind people is, uh, what is it? Queerspodcast at gmail.com. God, you want to get that right? (laughs) Simon's laughing at me. Uh, And fair enough too. Um, and so people, you know, feel free to send things to us. We we love to hear from people. We've heard um, from people already, which is really lovely from listeners. So send us in your questions and, uh, you know, comments, feedback, stories, poems, artwork, anything, anything you like, really. Um, yes, yes, please send in whatever you can. You know, we were just saying before, maybe a video of an interpretive dance. Yes, and I, yeah, maybe... That's, that's probably going a bit far, but, you know, <laughs> whatever you feel comfortable doing. Um, maybe not whatever you feel. You know what we're trying to say. Uh, so, we got an email from a listener uh, regarding the episode, the last episode we did on respectability politics. Um, and the listener sort of got the sense that we were suggesting through our discussion of the video that if you weren't kind of wholeheartedly enjoying and embracing... Uh, what the video was saying and and even watching the video itself, then you were homophobic or perpetuating um, some sort of the the kind of homophobia we were talking about. And I guess, you know, Simon and I very much wanted to, to, um, I think we tried to say this in the discussion, but but if we we didn't, then it's a good thing to emphasize, yeah, uh, that we we would in no way ever want to say that. And, and, uh, you know, I think I am often quite frustrated by discourses within some parts of, um, I guess, sexual politics uh, that kind of mm. say if you are uncomfortable with anything, then you're a prude or or there's something wrong with you. And I think that's kind of awful. And, and I would certainly have much more of a sort of live and let live attitude to these things. Um, so, so being discomforted by by something like the content of of the House of Air video is is totally you know there's nothing wrong with that and you know there were parts of it that I felt uncomfortable about um, and so that's fine I think where I would say and Simon I imagine you would agree with me that 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 sort of response crosses a line is when it becomes about policing uh, other people's um, enjoyment of it or engagement with it and uh, policing what. Um, you know who who we can say that that represents and that sort of thing. So when it kind of goes beyond your own personal response, and so I just we we wanted to make it clear that that we would never want to um, imply that discomfort 
puts you in the same category as 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 people who are doing those sorts of things. Yes, I hundred percent agree, and don't really have anything else to add. Sure. Okay. Well, we can probably leave it at that. But it was a fantastic email, and uh, yeah, it, it was really encouraging to hear hear people engaging with it in that way. So we hope we get some more of those. Yes. Please send send some more things to mm. us. We'd love to hear hear from you. Dude, we're very lonely. Um, no, I'm joking. We're fine. <laughs> oh, <I'm> so sad. <laughs> Um, well, so let's let's get into it, I guess. Yeah, well, this week's episode comes from a story from a few weeks back that also sparked our interest. Uh, in the start of February, the UK Labour leader, Jeremy Corbyn, um, who, uh, for the record, has a very long history of supporting LGBT rights and queer people, uh, was heavily criticised uh, when, during a speech to the launch of the LGBT History Month, he referred to people who chose to be gay. Corbyn was chastised severely for the slip of the tongue, uh, with many using it to ask questions about whether he genuinely supported queer people. This got Simon and I thinking about the importance of the born this way narrative. The idea that being queer is a genetic trait has become an essential rallying cry for many queer people. Through stating that people should not be denied rights due to biological traits, the born this way narrative has become central to campaigns for issues such as marriage equality. But the attack on Corbyn has gotten us thinking about the implications of this discourse. Ben and I both wanted to ask why it is that this narrative is so important that we'll even attack such a clear ally as Jeremy Corbyn when he slips up on the issue. So Ben, let's just start with that question. Uh, Why is it that you think that the Born This Way narrative has become so prominent within much of queer politics? I think, I, I guess one of the reasons I think that this is an interesting topic is that I would argue that the prominence, the increasing prominence of the Born This Way narrative is, is sort of the culmination of a bunch of different things that you and I talk about. So it's sort of, um, it's a like a fundamentally essentialist idea, which obviously ties very much into the way that we talk about uh, identity politics. So I think the rise of identity politics as this discourse that locates something like sexuality as a sort of inherent and immutable part of a person really lends itself to... Uh, to an idea like, you know, being born gay. So I think that's, um, I think that's part of it. I think Mm. it also sort of is fed into by respectability politics, which is something that we, we addressed really directly last week, but, but kind of touch on a bit often as well, uh, which is, you know, the, the idea of sameness, the idea that, um, we are sort of fundamentally just like everyone else, except for this yep. one particular difference, and and should be treated as as such. And if it's if that difference is kind of biological and measurable and identifiable, then you know that's sort of scientific proof um, that it. I mean, it's funny though because it's sort of it's almost like scientific proof of difference. But I guess it like you know, yeah, but it's it's difference based in just like a a slight biological difference you know it's 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 just a tiny difference it's not that it's not like a whole lifestyle difference it's just this one little genetic trait that you know that makes us slightly different but but it's kind of like you know everybody has you know one one gene that makes you straight or gay so we're we're just you know kind of the same but but just a little bit you know a little bit of a variation totally i guess it kind of importantly dislocates being gay from culture um, mm. So I think that like those those are sort of two big things that feed into this idea. Uh, it's also become, I mean, on on a more um, I guess political level, it's also become a convenient, you know, as kind of fights for um, 
kind of rights-based rights-based political fights among queer people have become more and more prominent and more and more high profile it's become a really sort of convenient way to argue against uh attacks from particularly kind of religious conservatives saying that this is a choice and using that as a basis to to argue um for all sorts of things i mean like most kind of opposition to to queer rights i would say in the past at least has and and still presently to some degree has has rested on that idea of it being a choice or being a lifestyle and so it's seen as a kind of way to argue against that so i suppose those are what i would say are the things that that primarily feed into into this yeah i think that's that's interesting i think the i think there's like you can see uh, almost sort of two parts to this so i think the the first is the official reason why so many people like to talk about the 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 you know the, the born this way narrative or why it's so important in queer politics and not not necessarily i think there's a there's a distinction between how we use this term this idea politically compared to the personal connection people have to it and i'd like to talk about the personal connection soon Mm. um but the you know that's that's the, the narrative the political political value of the narrative is seen as a way to counteract attacks on queer people by you know particularly attacks that say you know we it's a choice and therefore you've you know blah 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 you um therefore we can you know it's a it's a bad choice and you know it's this evil choice and some people are trying to counteract that by saying well no it's not a choice you know it's it's biological it's inherent um and you shouldn't you shouldn't deny rights based on biological traits um now i i would argue that that's a pretty poor um uh, political defense um and you know, uh, if you look at things like racism and sexism, it's pretty clear that people don't just stop um, denying, you know, stop discrimination because of biological traits. It's pretty, that happens quite often, and I don't think it actually works as a political defense, but it's clear that that's what it is. But I think that what, I, what, what I'm increasingly saying is what, what you're talking about is that there's also this underlying element to it that is about things like respectability politics. It's about using this term as a way to to deny difference and to create sameness. And it's uh, about identity, you know, a whole range of identity politics about essentializing our identity, um, so that this is sort of it reinforces the idea that your your sexuality is core to your being, um, and therefore reinforces all of these ideas of of identity politics that that we've discussed in the past. And I think that that's the interesting dynamic that we've got here is that you have this sort of official reason why uh, we've got this narrative and that's to, to to counteract i think against these um against queer att- attacks on queer people but it also reinforces all of this conservative nature of a lot of queer identity politics that i think is really insidious and i and i think that that's why i find it i, I can't stand this narrative so much is it because it it does do those things of of denying difference and and taking away that space for 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 difference and and I think your point on culture is really really important as well is that it it, it can be used as a way of attacking queer culture, um or, or you know attacking queer lifestyle, you know mm, which is something yeah, that totally. we do, that we refuse to defend now you know you know when someone says well it's a lifestyle choice well actually there are parts of it are that are a lifestyle choice, there are parts of you know. You know, we talked about this last week. You know, the, the last last episode. You know, the idea of you know the the these the sexual practices that uh, that um, Brendan used is is a lifestyle choice. But we can't. We we refuse to defend that now. It's, we refuse to to be able to defend that. And we and and the born this way narrative is a key part of that refusal. 
Mm, totally. And it, I, you know, I feel like the, those sort of two types of, uh, I guess, reasons that we're identifying for like why it's become prominent also sort of point to, to me at least, to two kind of quite clear uh, reasons why I have a problem with identity politics. You know, as you said, the first being that, that the it kind of lines up with the official line of like it's used to defend against attacks. Um, you, you know, the side effect of that obviously being that it does deny difference and, and um, really kind of doesn't allow us to fold people who don't look like us or, or don't act the way that, you know, sort of quote-unquote respectable queers do into... Um, into that narrative because there's no reason why they sort of have to do that if it's if it's biological um and i guess the the other reason uh which ties more into the sort of um the cultural stuff is that it it reinforces things like identity politics and really does kind of feed into that uh and that's something that that you and i've been very critical of yeah and i think there's a third thing that i don't like which i'd like to add into this um and this is uh, something that's sort of an idea that's forming in my mind, is that I think that the Born This Way narrative also, it sort of reinforces a minority position for queer people um, as, as, the, as, the, uh, as, as a minority group. It reinforces that position. Um, and so what you've got is a situation in which... Um, in which what's what's essentially occurring is you say that you know there's there's two genes there's two genes there's the gay gene and the straight gene um the straight gene you know 90% of people have that and 10% of people have the gay gene and you're born into one of those genes uh and you cannot you know according to this narrative therefore cross through cross over into these genes and there is no sexual no such thing as sexual fluidity there's no such mm. thing as being able to change your sexuality or being able to move or have variations in your sexuality you are just one or the other and so what you see is is great attacks on people who dare to question who dare to, who dare to um to to say that hey actually maybe I chose something around my sexuality and that the classic example of that is Cynthia Nixon who uh, a number of years ago it's like she's the example that I bring up all the time um, said uh, in an interview that she said something like I've been I've been straight and I've been gay and gay is better and I you know it's people don't get to, she said something people like don't don't get to define my sexuality for me I chose to be chose to be gay. Um, and she and she received savage attacks for it for for doing so. The the, the idea that she could you know from, that she from could gay move, people from gay people. The idea that she could move from one to the other and make an active choice to do so and be happy with that choice, um, and was you know was she was she was savaged for it. And what it what it does is it reinforces this minority status amongst queer people and refuses to allow us to suggest actually do you know what you can be queer or you can have queer sex or you can enjoy that and you can also have straight sex and enjoy that and you can do these things and that is something that is available to everyone to do if that's what you want to do um and it's that that's really bad for me i don't like the idea that we sort of suddenly here we've just got now two boxes that you can fit into totally. you know and it's all biologically determined you have no choice in any part of your sexuality you're just sort of stuck like this um that also builds into some potentially really negative stuff where you go, well, okay, well, it's, you know, if you look, if we, we've, we've spoken about this in the past where it's like, 
well, you know, my sexuality is just a, is just a uh, biological trait and therefore all my other preferences are exactly like that. So there's no reason for me to question why I have, why I've got, you know, when, when I say things like no Asians on my gate up on my grinder profile, that's just a preference. It's just what I've got. It's just what I'm like. You know, it's not like actually any questioning behind what's, you know, what, where do our sexual preferences come from? Where do our, <laughs> where our desires come from? All that kind of stuff. Can we imagine a future where scientists are identifying the no Asians gene? In, yeah. Uh, well, in I can see Japan. people making that argument. Sure, sure. I know it's like it's like the kind of ultimate um, reduction of of the experience of sexuality. This also highlights to me that you know this is in large part an attack on uh, kind of non-binary and and fluidity around around sexuality and gender, and you know also highlights why respectability politics and certain kinds of gay people and even i would say despite the significant political um marginalization and social marginalization that they still face even increasingly some trans people who who uh look a certain way or or are able to kind of come across a certain way have been quite easily folded into mainstream political discourse um you know is is essentially that that goal of respectability respectability politics to say that we're we're just like you you know the people who are left out of that and the people who are left out of as you're saying the the uh born this way narrative are um people who can't be categorized yeah and it's really interesting to think about it as a way of leaving out the non-binary folk both in terms of gender and in terms of sexuality in that and even just in terms of like presentation i mean i feel like Mm. like Gender such a it becomes such a strange way to talk about this stuff because, like, identity is sort of hovering there afterwards. Often, whether we say it or not, um, mm. you know, we talk about sexuality and gender identity. Um, but uh, you know, like, I'm someone who who absolutely you know is a is a cisgendered man, but I think that I you know certainly present in not entirely traditionally masculine ways. Um, certainly not to the extent that people who who face a lot more marginalization than I do do um, but it you know these even our ways of talking about this stuff exclude people who who don't fit into some very rigid categories yeah I think maybe this is where I could lead into I'm, I'm also really interested in one thing that I've discovered when talking about this issue has been the way in which people really personally identify with If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. With the narrative and really when you when we took when we the the thing that I always come up against when I when I discuss this is people going, well, you know, this is very strongly my narrative. This is definitely I was definitely born this way, and you can't tell me what I wasn't. And that's totally understandable because obviously it's a big part part of people's personal experiences. And and you know, and I don't you know, I hope that uh, I don't want to criticise that you know people's personal experiences of their own sexuality or gender identity. Uh, and you know, I can definitely say that I you know, for example, whilst I question it now, have, you know, previously had the, had the, had that sort of feeling that, that this is just sort of inherent to my being and I'm sort of, you know, doing and some questioning. What do people say to you when they say that they identify personally with Born This Way? Well, I just, you just get a lot of like, when I've written about this in the past, well, I just get a lot of like, no, this can't be right because I was born this way. You know, that's just, you know, it's just wrong. You know, I've been like this ever since I was, um, you know, ever since I was five or ever, you know, I knew that I was gay when I, when oh, I was sure. six, okay. that kind gotcha. of stuff. Um, and if you, you've seen, have you ever seen the Born This Way blog? No. Oh, okay. You're going to have to go and have a look at it. It's just bornthiswayblog.com. But basically it's, it's a uh, user submitted blog uh, where people submit photos of themselves when they were young, um, showing, you know, that there's photos of the, you know, people who are like, you know, their five-year-old boy who's in a really camp pose or wearing wearing girls' sure. clothes, showing, oh, look, God, oh, look so... highlighting, look, how, look, how, look, clearly I was born this way. Look at me totally. when I was... Oh, I find um, that so fascinating. And I think this is kind of what we're going to get into. But I, I mean, I also find it on some level really um, kind of sad, you know, that mm. like... Even with a fucking five-year-old, like, presenting, like, we can't, we are so uncomfortable with difference that the only way we can handle a five-year-old being camp is to go, you were always gay. Yeah, like, and that, so there's something deeply there's something, upsetting to me. Like, so, there's something, and the, the, that person, you know, well, you, there was clearly a gene that made you act like that. Um, totally. <laughs> like, it just is so erasing of the vast difference of human diversity of human experience like mm. to kind of as- assign it to like even even without the born this way stuff you know even if we don't talk about it in terms of like explicitly a gay gene but to just to reduce it so directly to like uh to 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 even to sexuality you know just is uh that uh just it just makes me sad for like for yeah. like little kids who are different or or do want to be different and you know that we can only handle that by categorizing them yeah yeah exactly and i was and i guess what i was thinking about is is with with um people in the queer community who really identify with this i wonder is part of the narrative and i, I don't want to reinforce the part of the narrative is you know is the born this way narrative used as a way to allow people to accept their gender you know a gender identity or sexuality that in fact sure. we're all still deeply uncomfortable sure. with and this is the way that we have found an ability to 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 accept it to to um to be able to live with it you know sure, to say, it's like i don't hate myself for being gay because i had no choice yeah exactly and that and that that you know and I, uh, that's something that i'm increasingly saying is like you know and, and it seems like um, and in our last episodes our last few episodes every time we come back to internalized homophobia I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh you know and we, we discussed i think i think it might be worth us doing an episode on internalized homophobia because we had that discussion about whether it's actually internalized or externalized and i'd love to do that at some point sure sure um but 
for me, this is a really good, another good example of a sense of internalized homophobia where we have to, we're, we're desperate to find an excuse for our sexuality and our gender identity, you know, or for the difference that we have. We're so desperate to find it that we, that we place a, a biological label on it as a way to say, this is, um, you know, this is the only way I can accept it. And, and the best examples of this are the, are the people who I see, and this is something you see time and time again when people argue that you know this could you know that sexuality could be a choice or that it is a choice you know you see the people who say you know um i wouldn't you know this clearly wasn't a choice who would choose to be who would choose to live to be gay um and that is a reflection on discrimination and the existence of oppression and and feelings that people have that you know that 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 the hard lives that people go through and who would choose to live live that hard life and that's the that's the you know and I understand that but I think that also part of it is also just a genuine um a genuine expression of like who would choose to be different like this who would choose to live mm. in this world in a different way I mean what, and you're, what you're talking what, about fundamentally is shame you know like I like, I feel like it's it's not just about direct experiences of, of discrimination and marginalisation, as in, like, people sort of imposing that stuff on you. It's it's the feeling of being different, being shameful, and particularly the way that that's attached to sex. You know, that if yeah. you're, you know, we are, we live in a society that is, that is shameful, that has shame around sex. I think this is true for all parts of society, not just queer people. But if you, mm. as a young person you know, come to realise that you somehow experience your relationship to sex differently than what you appear or what you see the people around you to do, it's understandable that that's going to that's gonna trigger really deep feelings of shame. And I think we, we sort of don't talk about shame in the gay community enough generally, you know, that, yeah. that all of this stuff you could, you know, not to be too sort of um, psychoanalytically reductive, but I feel like you can reduce a lot of the stuff that we talk about around respectability politics, around identity politics, around this stuff to an attempt to deal with shame. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Um, and I think it encapsulates what I was trying to trying to say quite well. Um, well done for that. <laughs> but I but I but I hundred percent agree with you. I think that that shame is an in, in, in integral part of this and, and I think that the Born This Way narrative is a, is a clear, a very, very clear expression of that feeling of shame. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't really have much else to add on that. So maybe... I mean, whoop, you go. Well, I sort of... I, I think it's probably a good point to move on to, you know, something that I'm super fascinated by, which is the other thing, the other sort of question raised by the blog that you mentioned and, and something that I think we're, we're both keen to talk about, which is, like, how... And maybe talking about our own experiences is a good way into this. How do we explain things like uh, camp little kids, you know? Um, like, how do we explain those, those like, what appears to be some evidence of, of queerness that um, then, like, before people actually feel like their like a queer sexuality that then manifests as that later on like what is that i mean i mean did do do you have experiences from your childhood or pre-adolescence that you that you could identify as like gay experiences i'm uh, not experiences but like um uh 
I guess things feelings. that may have indicated that you were gay. Yeah, um, I think I, you know, I think personally I had probably just prior to puberty, I think I would have uh, started having um, thoughts about sexuality in that kind of way. Um, I, you know, I, I was, you know, I don't think it, I knew at age five, you know, that's not really, that's not, wasn't who I was. I guess uh, to answer your question, I think that, Look, I think we could go into a huge discussion about uh, the nature versus nurture and what defines, you know, sexuality or what defines any taste that human has that it, that humans have or any desires that we have. And there's there's a huge range of um, psychological and biological and sociological literature that goes into all of this kind of stuff that suggests that maybe some of it, some people have sure, but I'm kind of, gen- you know, me being me, I'm less interested in that stuff. I, I yeah, want that's the thing. We stuff, could yeah. go in, we we could go into that kind of stuff. Yeah, is what I was yeah, trying to get, yeah. but I don't think we need to. I think the question I want to know is what well, the, the question I want to ask is why do we need to actually place, you know, to to answer that question? Um, why does it matter? to know why it is that that kid is camp at age five or why can't we just say, hey, that kid is camp at age five, let's just embrace that and enjoy that and accept that and say that's really, really great and and move on. Why do sure. we need to find a reason for it? Because I think that the the very seeking for the reason and for the very the very search for a label to put onto that child is is the inherent problem that we're talking about to say, well, okay, that kid is camp because of some biological trait and that makes them gay and that puts them into that box and therefore uh, that is who they are. Um, and that is what was defined when they were age five. Rather than going, hey, that kid is camp, that's awesome. Maybe totally, totally. they'll and, be you know, and I'm not looking straight for, camp like... or... Queer camp or whatever. Um, like I'm not looking for labels here, but I I suppose you know the answer for that of that question to me is you know I mean it was to some degree it sounded like a rhetorical question, mm. uh, but I mean to me the answer is clear, which is just all the stuff we've been talking about about the the political narratives that that reinforces, the shame that that addresses, blah 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 blah, blah. and not just mm. from the queer kids themselves, but from the people around them, you know, from their parents. Absolutely. As I said. If I think about the reason I'm so interested in it, I guess is because there does seem to... If I think about my own experience, you know, like I certainly didn't like know I was, you know, gay at five years old or whatever either. But uh, when I came out to my mum, her response was basically, oh, I thought maybe you were since you were like a little kid. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And that's certainly something that uh, I think is a common experience. I've certainly had lots of Mm. queer friends who've had similar responses from their parents. And if I do kind of think about myself as a little kid, I was very sensitive. Uh, I had mostly friends who were girls, um, you know, absolutely was this little kind of shy sort of, not camp, but but definitely, you know, this sensitive little kid. And I, and I am, um, I'm interested in the relationship between that and my sexuality, not as a, not as a, causal thing I, like I, I don't really care about it or, or think it's possible to make sense of it in that sense I don't think you know I so, so I suppose that's where I said that I don't care so much about the, all the, the scientific literature and, and that kind of thing yeah. but but I think um, what is what I would identify as common to my story and the stories of a lot of people I've heard about their experience as a kid is, is essentially a, a sort of um, a general sense of otherness you know that mm-hmm. that what we 
are locating in our own experiences and what we see in the experiences of of little kids who we go, you know, that person is quote like clearly um, gay or whatever. Uh, as much as I have a problem with phrasing it in that way, uh, and I do, um, what we're identifying is is otherness, is that that little kid is different and is is um, expressing and perhaps experiencing themselves as as di- as different to the people around them for whatever reason. And I don't really care, kind of, yep, yep. you know, why. Um, but you know that there is, uh, I don't know, that kind of. And I see this reflected across all of my experience around queerness, really, that the otherness and the difference is almost more important than my direct experience of sexuality, than than who I want to fuck, than what gets me hard, is the fact that I feel different. That's almost, like, that almost feels more, that makes more sense to me almost than the other way around, than that I feel different because of those things. Yep, yep, that makes sense. Um, and I kind of, I'm interested in that, you know, like I, I kind of, I, because clearly that sort of thing feeds the born this way narrative, like feeds, like people do have this, this, this inherent experience of difference. And I agree with you in a kind of utopian sense that, like, ideally we shouldn't care and people should yeah, all yeah. just be able to like be who they, God, <laughs> such a be who they want to so be, fraught. be who you want to be. Um, <laughs> Uh, or just be allowed to sort of exist and, and that that diversity of existence should be fine. Uh, but I, I don't think that's going to be anyone's experience anytime soon. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with you, obviously. Um, and, it, and, it, and in, in that sense, you know, to come around to it, you know, starting from that political discussion we we're having at the start, you know, I can understand how a born this way narrative has been developed to, to deal with that feeling of otherness, you know, as a way to 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 manage it, or to and manage is not the right word, but to 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 um, to live with it, basically, you know, to have that feeling of otherness that has existed for for as long as you've lived, to um, to really uh, and therefore to feel excluded um, or to feel different and to feel outside of the regular world, and and a born this way narrative is a really really good way to 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 manage that internally and to manage that externally to be able to to be able to deal with the the otherness you have on the inside of you and to be able to explain that to yourself and also to be able to explain it to other people of as you know this is why I'm like this is because of this it's not because I'm, I'm making active choices to be strange well, um, I would and I would go even further than that and say and this is maybe a you can take this with a grain of salt because I'm I'm being mm. a little sort of deliberately provoc deliberately provocative here All but fun. um. I, I would say that it's not just the born this way that helps us, the born this way narrative that helps us um, explain or deal with our feelings of shame around otherness. It's queer sexuality itself that potentially does that. That like, you know, I, for example, come to, again, totally take this with a grain of salt, but, you know, I potentially come to identify as gay as a way to make a sort of sense out of my experience of difference oh yeah 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 because it's it's you know it's a it's a easily in particular it's an increasingly easily identifiable box that you can put yourself into as a way to explain the thing that you're that you are totally so you can... and not just not just culturally but psychologically mm, yeah 100 percent. yeah no i totally agree with you on that and 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 the the importance of those identifiers um the the gay homosexual lesbian 
bisexual, the the importance of those boxes is is really about that. It's about giving people space, uh, giving people a clear definition for what they are, that they can that we can then you know sit into and be comfortable with, uh, and live with in many ways. And that's I think that's I hundred percent agree with you on that. I'm tempted to you know go even further than that and say I guess what I'm sort of implying is is that it's not just identifying as gay it's the experience of gay desire that becomes mm-hmm. a way to explain those things too I mean I know you know obviously I have no way to prove this and nothing to back it up but I but I feel like it it makes as much sense as as uh as any sort of narrative like essential narrative about sexuality Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to think about this now. Yeah, look, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm being a bit, yeah, facetious, I guess, to some degree. But no, but it's, no, 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 no. I think it's, but it's this an is, interesting this... place to extend that argument. To. Yeah, yeah, and this is this is what we do well, so, isn't it? We we take everything to the extended to the to the nth degree sure, and see what we sure. can figure out. <laughs> um, well, we might uh, we might finish it up there. Uh, that's it for us today. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we will be back with another episode in two weeks. Uh, in the meantime, as always, you can catch us on queers.podomatic.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. And as always, leave us a review and rating, which will help pe- other people find us. We also would like people to send us emails, as we said at the oh, top yeah. of the show. Please do. It's queerspodcast at gmail.com. Send us whatever you would like. Uh, and maybe also let us know in the email if you would be keen for us to uh, read the email out on the podcast. Mm. We're not quite sure, as we said last time, yet how we're going to integrate the, the emails into the show. Um, but if you're happy for us to do that, we'll we'll have a look and see if we can make that work. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Ben C. Riley. And I'm at Simon Copland. And you can catch me on Facebook at Simon Copland Writer. Thanks, everyone. And we will see you next time. Looking forward to it.